know who I am, royal fam of Atlanta dungeon, you understand? This ain't what you want. Let's be clear from the bungee. I write knockout songs, you spit punchlines for money. Look at the way you look at me. The daddy fat sacks in my Cadillac. Six woofers and four amps. Continue podcast. August. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost September. It's almost September. I don't. I. Oh, God. Guys, it's almost March 16th. We're almost there. <laughs> it's almost. It's been March 15th for a really long time. But we're we're heading we're heading in. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Continue Podcast, episode seventy-seven. My name is Anthony John Agnello, and I host this show alongside two fucking immortals. We have none other than Staff Roberts, Dave Roberts. Uh, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about this much in the podcast because I'm still in the middle of playing it. But you guys uh, enjoy aesthetic, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, um, if for fans of Kingsway, uh, I would recommend picking <gasps> up Hypnospace Outlaw. Uh, oh really? Yeah, it's on Switch. It's on Xbox. It's on PlayStation. All those now, but it's uh, you explore a fake 1999 internet and all the guys, including in. rotating gifts. Uh, but yes. There's a uh, there's a guy. Is the hamster got, dance in it? Please tell me the hamster dance. There's is in a it. dancing pizza slice with a whole song that goes with it. It goes perfect. Yes. There's, there's a guy named Chowderman who is prolific on the internet in 1999 uh, to the point that like he's just like a giant um, sellout for every brand. And he has a song about hot butter ice cream that I'm going to play right now. It's going to happen for all of us? Oh my god. You have to play I this game. It's, it's I incredible. have to have... What's it called again? Hypnospace Outlaw. I need it. Yeah, Hypnospace like, Outlaw. Like, it's not ironic. It's it's really sincere about just how fucking dumb the internet was in 19... 19- the, the concept is that, like, at night, you put a headband on and you explore cyberspace while you sleep. And you're oh a fucking internet narc. You go around and you're, like, trying to flag inappropriate content or people using, like... Bitcoin or whatever, and you, like there's a there's like desktop pets that you can buy, and they're super fucking yes! annoying. It's, this is so cool. It's oh really my god, co- I'm looking at screens of it right now. It's really oh, it's cool. on Switch. Yeah, there's a Switch version of this. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it wor- actually works really well on Switch. You don't there's not a whole lot of typing, but there's like an on-screen keyboard that you can type on with the touchscreen. So. Oh my god, I need. To have this desktop theme, mouse cursors oh with shadowing, and it's yes! just yeah. yes, yes. Well, I'll talk about it more next episode, probably. Uh, yeah, get it, man. I, this is this is a recommendation for uh, everyone listening, as well as you two. Uh, not the Bono-led Irish rock outfit. I mean, this is not a <laughs> message for you two. Uh, <laughs> I I recommend. Going in, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this. Amazon just has your entire purchase history sitting right there. Oh yeah, you it's, can yeah, you can export yeah. it. 
as the a whole, yeah. the, the whole thing. Uh, uh, well, it mm, it depends on how long your history is. Because if it's, I mean, if you've been, let me put it to you this way: if you've been ordering from Amazon since they only sold books, yes, yeah, it you it doesn't work. So it uh, mine goes back to 1998. Oh wow! Oh my god! And the, the reason it popped in my head was. Uh, you could go to my Amazon account and go back to when Hypnospace Outlaw was not uh, parrying. Well, we living it. <laughs> yeah, living I mean, it. we were living it. <laughs> and the purchases are fucking mortifying. There's like a CD inspired by one of the comic book only sequels to The Crow. Oh, there's, God! There's wow. like a, a Ranma and an Inuyasha volume. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Uh, there's like an anime, like softcore VHS. It is, you can't get more 1998. It is. Wow. Yeah, yeah. A, a Just a portal. Very specific oh. human. <laughs> um, oh, that, that other voice that you hear completely devoid of surprise at what I just said is none other than Susan Arndt. So I think my favorite thing from from the before times of the internets, besides the hamster dance, which obviously is legend, uh, uh, dance on my kitty cat. Dance, dance on my kitty cat. Dance on my kitty cat. And I dance, 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 dance. I say sexy things to myself when I'm dancing. I. I love it so much. My, my, I think, favorite thing from that era of the internet, and I'm not sure if it's still around, were you guys familiar with MC Hawking? Oh my god. <laughs> like, during the, like, like the LimeWire Kazaa yes, era, the, the, where you the, would the just, Kazaa like, era. You oh my god, Kazaa. So, MC Hawking. So, so MC Hawking. Oh my god. Was, and it was like, just a robot I, now, voice that like laid down raps, right? The, the thing, yeah, like, and now the a software nerd that you A nerdcore hip hop artist who purports to be the late theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking rapping under the name MC Hawking. Yes. And they were. They, like, some of the songs were so fucking funny. So you would go, and it was like a shitty GeoCities page. <laughs> of course it was. And it was like pictures kind of, of like Stephen Hawking with a giant gold tra- chain like oh, hanging out with Chuck D. And the songs, like, yes, he'd clearly just had access to the software package that was the same thing Stephen Hawking used for his uh, voice, you know, computer. And he would write songs like, Why Won't Jesse Helms Just Hurry Up and Die? Fuck the Creationists. Uh, <laughs> they, they were magical. They were... <laughs> and, like, I would sit there laughing at them to the point where I would have an asthma attack. Like, <laughs> it would be... I'm, I'm looking at his website now, which is peak. Is it still there? 2001. It's yeah, still there. It's, it's, it's very, it was very 2001. Yeah. Uh, man, uh, I, I swear to God, everybody, we are going to talk about video games and... MC uh, Hawking's crib. You, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yay! Yep. <laughs> yep. We, we are not just your guides to the year 1999. We are your guides to the wild things that we've been consuming. We're actually going to start uh, with 
a news-ish segment. This is actually we don't do this often. We don't we don't do like current events. We're not topical. That's not our thing. No, we're not. Well, we're sometimes accidentally topical. We're sometimes accident. We're prescient. We're we we predict trends more mm. more than. And I'm not just being like a haughty dick. That's uh, we 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 have our fingers on the pulse. Uh, but Susan has been uh, covering since last weekend, uh, from when we were recording this, the DC Fan Dome, uh, where uh, DC Comics and Warner Brothers Studios started showing off all their their movies and their their shows and whatnot and some of it actually looked uh, pretty cool which is unusual for that um <laughs> yeah brand okay you're not wrong for that brand <laughs> you're not you're not wrong i say this as somebody who watched the first two seasons of arrow mm-hmm. and then immediately like tried to find a genie in a lamp so that i could get those hours of my life back that's like, fair. Wi- wish number one would be to have those moments return to me. Um, all right, so, so Susan, what, what do you got to say? You're all all about that that Robert Pattinson. I like that guy. Okay, first of all, I am not I am not here to discuss the content of DC fandom. <laughs> okay, so although you worked really hard to conceal the sneer, no, you didn't. You were just sneering the entire way through that intro. I like Robert Pattinson. I'm like, I, I'm, I, I'm think, I think I'm trying to find a hot dog in New York that is very funny. He directed and shot it over a weekend for GQ. I like he him is, in everything that he's done that isn't Twilight. I think I like Lighthouse. Awesome. I'm all the way in to see him be Batman. He's a weird cat. He's um, a weird cat. He, I mean, he's like Johnny Depp before Johnny Depp started drinking really heavily. Uh, no, so, okay. So, yeah. So, DC Fandom was because of the coronavirus, we're not having things like Comic-Con. So DC decided to have their own convention, right? Because they're not going to get Comic-Con. They're not New York or San Diego. And uh, they called it DC Fandome. Fandom with an E on the end. Okay, whatever, fine. And it is following in the... There have been several different online conventions already. Gamescom did it virtually... PAX is going to be online. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con was online. Various anime expos are going to be online. Great. What those other ones have done so far is basically pre-record people and Zoom calls and post the, post that live. Yeah, that is, that is the, the format that people have settled on. Right. But what Fandom did that took that a step further they're like okay we want you to really feel like you have gone to a place Mm. so they created a virtual environment and there the hosts stood in front of green screens and one host might have been in australia and the other one was in san francisco but they looked like they were standing in the room together in this fan dome and you could project videos on the air quote wall of the dome and they really took the effort to make and obviously it was a fake environment they weren't trying to make it look like a building or anything realistic but you did feel like you were watching live video of a physical location Hmm. and that added 
so much to the overall enjoyment of it, I was shocked. That's interesting. Just, yeah, it was really was. And and after the event, I, I find I find green screen settings very uh, alienating. I find them like very distracting because mm-hmm. uh, there are, there are actually like a lot of game shows and stuff that people are filming right now mm. that do the same thing. Like uh, and it's and some of the people are actually in the same physical space, but to like cut down on the need for a set, they will you know they're just putting them in front of a green screen. Right. Even the host is not necessarily there, and then they they do everything else. And rather than it feel sort of good, it gives me like um, give, uh, gives me like the reboot heebie-jeebies. It's, it's the lighting. Like I noticed this in a lot of like. Netflix shows too because they do it to who needs a set when you could just film in front of a green screen and yeah it's, the, no, it's always but, the lighting that looks fake but what you're misunderstanding is they're not trying to look like it's right. a building or a right. set yeah. they are in and also the perspective is pulled back so they're kind of small on screen it's meant to look mm. like they're in an amphitheater kind of that sort of scale so they're standing in the middle of this cartoony kind of place so uh, it's it's they're not trying to fool you they're not trying to trick you but what they are doing is creating something other than let's look at people's faces as they talk on zoom yeah, yeah. and it really really added a lot to the event because it it pre- provided contrast because mm. when you went to the panel or the interview inevitably it was a zoom call Sure. And that's what it looked like. So when it went back to the hosts, it gave you structure. This is the part between the panels. This is the panel. And that, I think, added a lot to the idea that you were at a convention, that this was an event with discrete pieces of content. And, I, I mean, I don't really care about DC stuff. I thought the Batman looked cool. Obviously, yeah, I'm a huge... Cool. Harley Quinn fan, uh, but other than Did that, did they I'm show like, anything but like that pre-recorded message for Harley Quinn? No, no, that's no, a shame. No. Yeah, but that pre-recorded message was, was really gold, yeah, baby. Was that funny. was gold. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, as I, I don't, I would not have watched as much as much of Fandom uh, as I did if it wasn't my job. But I was really entertained. I was into it. It was mm. all the good stuff. All the energy of being at a place with people, but without the ability to spread horrible diseases. <laughs> what, what, what did you What did you guys think of the games that they announced? I, I, I feel someone needs I, to get Justin Timberlake on the horn and tell them to take the the off of the Suicide Squad. <laughs> Thank you. I know it's bothering me. Well, the, I mean, it's just to differentiate it. Yeah. Is that is that what they're calling the Suicide Squad game or the, the movie? Suicide Squad? I think it's that's the, the game. Is that it? the game? It's, I, it's, I, both. I, it's the game and the movie. Okay. I don't want to. I, I don't want to sound like a real dick. Well, but I'm gonna. Um, <laughs> the the Suicide Squad game. I watched the trailer and I I was genuinely at the end of it. I was like, why am I supposed to give a shit about this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. The the whole that's the Rocksteady like, one, right? That's the Rocksteady one, two, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I I was thinking about the game trailers 
that I've seen in just like the past decade. Like the things that got me the most excited and like even as like the worst sort of fanboy. And after watching that Suicide Squad one, I was like, you know, is this just a content thing? Is it just that I'm like, I don't like what's in this game. I don't care deeply about these characters. And the last three games that Rocksteady have touched have just been ridiculous open world nonsense. And that's why I'm disinterested. And then I went and I watched the old trailer for uh, for Final Fantasy VII Remake, the one from 2015 that made everybody lose their goddamn mind. And even that had gameplay in it. Mm. <laughs> like there were characters walking in an environment where it was cut between the characters saying the goofy things. Like who, why, why would anyone give a shit? Why would you look at that and be like, yeah, man, good you made a CG model of was it so was it all just like CG like a CG trailer then because like that that's the the trend in in game presentation and reveals that I just like if you show me a like a pre-rendered CGI trailer for a game I immediately tune out yeah I don't I don't care I don't, like I don't this, care this tells me I mean Go ahead. No, I just I feel like if if you're teasing something maybe, but if you're like this is your big grand reveal of a game and all you've got is just like a bunch of CG people shooting zombies or whatever. Like like the Xbox uh, presentation where it was like 90 you're trying to show off the power of your new console and you've got 90% like CGI trailers. Like I'm immediately disinterested. Like that doesn't I don't care about that. Mm. I think the only time you get to do it and it's fair is new IP first reveal. When you are trying to explain the idea behind the game, then yeah, throw all the CGI trailers at me that you want because I need to understand the concept to see if I care about the gameplay. Like if I don't, if I don't know what you're trying to do, then seeing shooting on screen or, or whatever means nothing to me. And I, I think that's especially true with, you know, now that we live in the era of service games, mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's especially true. Because, like, if Crystal Dynamics and Square led with just a gameplay demo of Avengers and there was, like, no story at all, people would be like, fuck you! No, that <laughs> looks boring and tedious. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, something, you know, like Rocksteady, they, they make... They make games that are fascinating to look at in action. Like, I don't care for Arkham City or Arkham Knight, but holy shit, are they beautiful and visually mm. dynamic, you know? Um, so the fact that they wouldn't go with something that was at least like a hybrid of, you know, what 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 trailers right. for games or used to be? Or even fake it. Just fake <laughs> it, yeah. Like, Nobody yeah. gives a shit. Nobody Make it gives look a shit. like gameplay. Yeah. I was, I actually found myself more interested in um, whatever, not Arkham 5. Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights, thank you. Uh, I, I didn't even see like a, I didn't see a trailer or anything. I just know that it got announced. I'm interested in that. Because, I don't know, did either of you guys play Arkham Origins? That no. was me. It's the same studio. And yeah, oh, I, I, seven I, I gave it a really now. shitty review because it crashed on me ten hours in and deleted my entire save file. So I decided. Oh that. no! Yeah, the game was buggy. Shit, it was buggy. Yikes! But like, 
I I really liked that game, and I compared it at the time to a big bowl of Rice Krispies. Like Rice Krispies, uh, how would you describe the flavor of Rice Krispies? Just just it, you always go to texture. There's not a lot. There's there. no yeah. flavor. Yeah. It's all texture. But it's all yeah. texture. But you still like it's wonderful. You're just like mm, mm, make noise, Rice Krispies, delicious. I I want the yeoman's job that WB Montreal does with their games. And I you know I like those characters. Why not? I'll, I'll check that out. Was there anything else that like floated your boat, Susan? Well, I we actually see this is what's what's a problem when you don't read the emails that I send you. I didn't actually want to talk about the content of DC Fandom. I have I to... no I have no email from you about any of this. I have two emails from oh, you that you, say you only sent the email to me. I what? see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, then then you I apologize. Direct- yeah, you sent it directly to me. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So the-, the thing that uh, so we we ha- obviously coronavirus isn't going anywhere, and so we've had all you know. E three was virtual. Gamescom's virtual. Tokyo Game Show, if it happens, I don't even know if they're doing it. Uh, will be virtual. The Comic Cons, everything. CES, if if they do it in February, will be will be virtual. And that's been really shitty to date. Ex- but then fandom happened. And I really liked it. Mm. And I'm, I would like... What I'm wondering is... I mean, obviously people like to go to shows to see their friends. And to actually, uh, you know, meet stars in person and see artists and all that. But... What DC Fandom did was they had an artist section, so if you wanted to buy art, you could. Ooh. They had a, a, a merch link. If you wanted to buy merch, you could. So it, it was literally everything from a con except being there together in physical space. I'm really interested to see if people start to replicate that. Yeah, and I, the reality is, is it's really the first one where they had enough lead time. Exactly. Yes. It's, yeah. Yes. It's the first one where they they had enough time to really start reconsidering. Yeah. I don't think that we're going to see that broadly over the uh, the the course of the others because they're all so decentralized. Like, DC is able to do mm. that because they're like, we're making our own theirs. shit. It's all right, theirs. Right, Where, right, Because PAX, for example, PAX can't do shit like that. They can't make a unified presentation because they don't have the yeah. money. They would have to... They, well, they would have yeah, to that's herd, true. They would have to herd, like, how many different developers and publishers under... Like, it, it, there have been a couple events. Like, there was one back in July where it was, like, a bunch of... Japanese game publishers all doing like their own little mini Nintendo Direct. I think you could oh, do yeah. that. You could do that, but like to have like a huge con experience, I think like you probably it's, could do it, but it just seems like a Herculean effort to wrangle all these different right. brands and they yeah. all want they all want their own like special placement and mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. right, their own demands. Right. And what, so what I, they... I dropped uh, in, in our chat here. I dropped pictures of what Fandom looked like, so you can get an idea. And uh, Crunchyroll, which is the anime streaming service, is having their con uh, 
uh, yeah. next uh, weekend? I think, yeah, Labor, over Labor Day weekend, I think. And um, they're having a scavenger hunt and an online cat cafe and, yeah, again, awesome. an artist alley and, and, and all that. And But again, to your point, far less wrangling to yeah. do, far less stakeholders. And it's just like, hey, guess what? You're coming to our show and you're going to do it this way. And everybody's going to go, okay, that's fine. So, but I mean, I, I would love it if this was an option because I would never go to a DC con. No, I'm not going to go. A, I'm not going to deal with DC fanboys. Sorry, but you're crazy. B, you know, hotels and flights and all. They're very expensive. You don't want to play Spot the Green Lantern shirt? Oh, <laughs> So that was God. always a fun game to play at Comic-Con, Spot the Green oh. Lantern shirt. Jesus, just stop it. Like, okay, look. There's no there's no sneer that I could have delivered that was more economical or or laser accurate than what Dave just did. Yeah. It's true. Like if you if you're into, into if you if you enjoy DC other than the Justice League, bless your heart. They're just not as good as Warner as as Marvel characters. They're just not. I'm sorry. They're just not as cool. <laughs> my, my my thing. Wait, it wasn't until I saw the the trailer, the trailer mm-hmm. for the Snyder Cut. I guess I guess the air quotes <laughs> are probably implied <laughs> in this uh, audio medium. Uh, but when I was watching it, I was like. Oh wait! If the bad guy from Bioshock were a real person, he would just be Scott uh, uh, Zack Snyder. He would just be. You know, it's going to be four hours long, right? Yes. Okay. Why? Why are you? Why are you people well, like this? You, you know, he wanted to make an adaptation of the Fountainhead, right? Yeah, he's still planning to do is it. He still. Yeah, he's still doing it. Yeah, he is. He, if Andrew, it's Andrew Ryan, right? Andrew Ryan. Yeah. Like, if yeah, Andrew yeah. Ryan were a real person, he wouldn't be able to, like, buy up the land to make an underwater fortress the only The only difference is that Hallelujah plays as you descend the bathysphere into... <laughs> Into, into the <laughs> the, ol- the only difference is a Marilyn Manson cover of Let's Go With uh, uh, Space Oddity. That's that's what it, the Marilyn Manson <laughs> cover Space Oddity. Just a random song out of a hat. Plays. Uh, <laughs> Would you kindly? And then there's a slow motion punch that takes ten minutes to play through. Um, yeah, Susan, the pictures of of that are like way more appealing than yeah, what. Yeah, it looks it looks like an event. Like the like you yeah. have, exactly. It, like it still looks like a bunch of people on a Zoom call, but like just that that slight framing. Right, just the, the the environment that they set it in makes you feel more engaged. And like to back what I was saying, I wouldn't go to a DC fandom event. I wouldn't go to Crunchyroll. But yeah. with it being virtual, I can and I you know, I was exposed to creators and content that I wouldn't seek out otherwise. Like am I yeah. planning on watching Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four? Yes, of course I am. Absolutely. But, you that know, it's awesome. It, it, I, I, I was pumped watching that. I was ex- genuinely excited because I got to see the stars talking about it and, you know, see this extended trailer 
And I've gone from, yeah, of course I'll watch it, to, oh my god, I can't wait to see it. Well, and you also, you don't have that the experience of, like, uh, I don't know if either of you have ever gone to San Diego Comic-Con. No. But I've gone a couple times, and you definitely have those moments where you're like, I have to go to this panel and watch it. I don't want to be here, but the, mm. the panel after it is the one I want to watch, and if I don't show up early, I'm not getting in. You yeah. don't have that. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I had friends who tried to go to a Tron panel uh, that was at, like, 10 in the morning and couldn't get in because the Twilight panel was at 9 in the morning and all of the Twilight ah. nerds were waiting in line overnight just to get in. And like, the thing is, like, once you're in the hall, like, you don't have to leave. You just sit in the wait, chair. Wait, wait, they don't turn the halls in between? No. Once, you, like, Especially, like, the really big ones. Yeah, like, once you're in... Oh, you're, you can stay as long as you gross. want. Oh, that's terrible. So, that's yeah. terrible. You don't have oh, that. Okay, I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you can, and then they rebroad everything that happened over the day, over the course of the day. They rebroadcast it again. Once the day yeah. was done, they started over. So whatever time zone you're in, if you're in a different part of the world, like you don't have to come to freaking America to see this. And, or you don't have to be up at 3 a.m. your time. I just think it's a really great solution for accessibility. And I don't, I don't think it's going away. I think that even, even when the pandemic has slid into what the earth is after it, yeah. Uh, that this now becomes more standard. I uh, hope. I hope I, so. I, I, I think so. And I don't. I don't foresee. You know, it's really funny. Uh, people in the past used to think that, oh, E3. I want to go to E3 because I'm going to get to play all these games early, <laughs> and I'm going to get to do all these things. But, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm, uh, there is no sneer in this statement because I understand it and I've felt it myself throughout my life. The allure is exclusivity. The, the yeah. allure is access to something. The allure is to participate in something that other people are not able to. That's yep. why the giant hall at San Diego Comic-Con is so desirable. You want that seat, not even necessarily so that you can you know, see like five fucking seconds of Kristen Stewart being like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm doing this for money. It's <laughs> You want to be able to tell people that right. you were there. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the reality is, is that streaming has obliterated that feeling of exclusivity. Like, the culture that made E3 feel special uh, was a, never going to be something that everybody could access, because if everybody could access it, then what was appealing right. about it in the first place vanishes. And the moment that everybody can access it at the exact same time, at arguably the exact same fidelity as the people who are actually there, that yeah. also obliterates it. So there's no incentive to not do what DC Fandom did. The only mystery that remains for all of these, you know, corporate behemoths is how do we make the most money? Right, how do we monetize it? Exactly. How do we, yeah, because the, the, the audience is fucking there. People are rabbits. Yep. Uh, and the, the creative people are there. They want to engage. They want to share. They want to do things. I uh, cannot imagine how much money you would save 
not having to fly, like just for a DC event, uh, for example, because different events are handle these things differently. You don't have to get the stars out there. You don't have to put them up in a hotel. You don't have to feed them. You don't have to pay the union you don't have to, to assemble them. booths. You don't have to rent space. Like it, you, it, millions. It's got to be yeah. millions. Oh, it at one hundred percent is millions. It's just yeah, millions. I mean, again, E three, E three people don't understand like you know as the years have gone by and people are like oh man sony's ducking out of e3 ea is ducking out of e3 why would they drop Mm 2.1 million dollars to build a fake building inside of another building yeah Yeah. (laughs) well then when they can then spend that money on their own event to and control the entire message on their own yep or or fuck it they they can take that they can be like all right well mm, Am I really going to drop a million dollars to construct a stage and have Greg Miller talk to somebody from Respawn who's bored out of their fucking mind about modeling lightsabers? Or am I going to take a fraction of that money? Am I going to take 50 grand and hand it to a 14-year-old streamer that has eight times the audience and just give it to him? And I I don't have to worry about that streamer's labor... Or yep. uh, any of that. I'm just gonna go do it and get the exposure. <laughs> it's. I want to for for anybody outside the U.S. listening to this. I want to explain something about because we mentioned unions and how much it jacks up the price. Uh, we had a booth at uh, New York Comic Con many years ago when we had a video uh, or a, a, a TV with a running a video. We literally could not plug it in ourselves. There's a socket on the floor. We got the plug. We were not allowed. It would have been illegal for us to plug the thing in ourselves. A union electrician had to do it. And that man makes a lot of money per hour. So for him to come in and take the the 1.3 seconds to plug something in, he probably got paid like 200 bucks for that. Now imagine that over the entire con. That's why these things cost so freaking much. So now, like, DC Fandom was not inexpensive to produce, I'm sure. But I like a twentieth of what it would be. Yeah, and 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 it does. You all of a sudden get a a influx of new jobs out of that, and mm-hmm. people who are you know you need an entirely different sort of craftsman you need an entire different sort of crew to make that yep. sort of thing yep. and and the hope <laughs> the the hope is that those people are treated as well as oh yeah an electrician. Mm. Well, mm. Mm. how many times do you think they are <laughs> mm. oh, it's a brave new world it's a brave that's <laughs> <laughs> dave's <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, like the reality is, over the past six months, I've gotten to participate in the creation of a lot of these events, and I am lucky enough that I work with an organization where the people are provided with benefits and time off and all of those things. Uh, and I, I'll tell you this right now: a lot of the the Warner Brothers and the other large companies out there will be like, "Fuck that! Yeah, I'm getting out of here." I'm gonna go find somebody that'll work for a sandwich. Um, oh, uh, hey, tell you what, if you produce this for us, we'll show you an early cut of the Batman. Susan, does, I, does Dave? I think Dave gets a capitalism is uh, like 
Dave can talk about how awful capitalism is. It's bad. He's got, yeah, I feel like we walked <laughs> it quite... Like, it's like we drove Dave right up to the, like, the, the entrance to the zoo and then turned around. We're like, no, you're not going to get to talk about how much you hate capitalism, dude. Um, Dave, how much do you hate capitalism? It's bad. It's bad? It's but bad. how much do you love Game Boys? Uh, a lot. It's, it's, I'm a land of contrasts, as they say. The Game, the game Boy contrast wheel, you have to turn it to see the picture. I don't know. <laughs> I wish... We should screen cap Susan's face. I wish everybody could see the expression on Susan's face. It was a long journey to get there. but It was, it was a nightmare. Uh, Dave, uh, what, what have you been doing with your time? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, so I'm at the point now where, like... Oh, boy. New games don't interest me. They really don't. Um, like, other than the occasional... Like, I, you know... I, playing Hit in a Space Outlaw, which admittedly is a game from last year on PC that just came out on console uh, that I got on Switch. But, like, Avengers, I don't want to play that. I don't, like, I don't care about a PS5. I don't care about an Xbox One. Uh, and this isn't because I couldn't pre-order a goddamn Pocket, the analog Pocket, which went on pre-order for 10 minutes. Uh, the shipping calculator broke... And then pre-orders turned off, and it was in my cart. It was in my cart. I couldn't get it. Oh! If anybody, if anybody's wondering what it sounds like to hear somebody's heart break a second yep. time, yeah, you, capitalism. This is this is the noise preventing me from buying a pocket. No, uh, but no, I'd actually been like interested in like, oh, what if I mod one of these? What if I put a screen in one of these? Uh, so I got an SP, and like this is kind of the road that I went down. At first, I was like, I want to get a Game Boy again. It's been a while, so I got an SP. It's one of the older models. It's the uh, uh, these AGS 001. It's the like if you can see on the screen. It's the front. I'm so one. glad that everybody it's got like, the boot it's, noise. It's the crappy, the crappy lit one because there were two different models. One was backlit, so I got this one. I was like, okay, well, what can I do to make? Because it's a little beat up. I got it for cheap. What can I do to make this little special? So I looked up, oh, they make like cool transparent shells. So um, I actually streamed myself putting this together. Uh, I took the board and the screen out of the old shell and put it in the new one. It's like, great, that's not so bad, I could do that. And then I was looking up like, well, what else can I do? And then uh, discovered that there's like, there's a whole cottage industry of like mods for these things. To where you can take the old sideways Game Boys, the ones that normally have, like, you can't see... There's that old Penny Arcade comic of uh, Tycho taking the, like... Oh, the lamps and everything. Game, oh, taking yeah. the lamp and, like, trying to shine the lamp directly on the screen to play it. Yeah, it's it really is that bad. It's, it's so bad. And then, uh, but they make backlit screens that you can fit into these. And, like, I've... I've been a tinker for a while as far as, like, I, I like modding consoles, I like going in and installing custom firmware, um, and I've put together the occasional kit, like last year I put together that um, desktop arcade cabinet with the Raspberry Pi in it, which, like, but that's as far as I've ever gone, it was just like, okay, well here are the pieces, you just plug them in the holes, you screw in the things, set it up, it's done, you don't have to do anything fancy to it. And then, but there's always been this mental block in my head. It's like, well, I want to do the fancy stuff, but you got to know how to solder. 
And soldering's always seemed like really intimidating to me because it's like, well, you're dealing with hot metal, you're dealing with delicate components. And if you fuck up, you break it, you know, right? And like, I don't want to do that to my. This is my Game Boy. I don't want to do that to that. But at some point, like in my head, it was like, well, you, if you want to go further, you have to do it. You have to do it. So I got a soldering iron. I got this last year, and it's been just been sitting on my desk for like months. So I finally, I bought the kit. I installed it, and I soldered the wires to the thing, and it was very nerve wracking. But at the end, like I tested the buttons, I hold, hold select, tap L, tap R, and it like gets brighter or darker depending on the buttons you push. And like I did that, I saw it. Like I I put hot metal on a thing and hooked up tiny ass wires and made it work. And suddenly I feel like the entire world is open to me now. <laughs> <laughs> what did, what did you practice on? Uh, I have a practice kit that I used a little bit. It's just like, it's like a really basic, um, hey, hook up this nine volt battery to this PCB and you can make a shitty alarm go off when the battery's plugged in. And I used that to just like, cause all I really wanted to do with that was just like, get a sense of how solder works. Cause like you got this like metal, little metal wire and you have the hot iron and then it turns into liquid and it forms over the joint. And like, Having that little kit um, gave me enough confidence to go like, okay, well, this is how it works. It doesn't seem so bad. The The hardest part really is just the fact that the wires that you have to solder to this thing are so tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and the points are really small. But one of the things that I learned doing it was, one, uh, even if you fuck up, as long as you don't burn anything, you can fix it pretty easily. Because so- you can melt... Oh. You can you can solidify... Like, when solder solidifies really quick, but if you heat it up again, it turns to liquid again. And you can there are things that you can use to clean it off or just reform it over the joint as long as you're not, like, bridging contacts. Um, like, you can do as much as you... Like, you can mess with it as much as you want until you get it right. Uh, so that, like, just demystified the whole process for me to the point where I'm now like okay well what else like can I start buying broken shit now and fixing it so I got uh, so apparently Goodwill has auctions online you go to shopgoodwill.com and you can just like buy shit there uh, and they got a I got a Game Boy Color in that I recently just put a new screen in but one of the things that I discovered when I got it was that the speaker wasn't working like it doesn't matter like how much I turn it up or turn it down. Like this sound just doesn't work. So this wait, this is something you like got off eBay for? Yeah, this is on Goodwill for like I I, I spent. It was like ninety dollars for this bundle, and it was like a Game Boy Color with Pokemon and Kirby's Tilt and Tumble and a like hmm. AC I adapter. Like that game. Yeah, so I got a pretty good, a decent deal, not a great deal, but I got a decent deal. But the speaker wasn't working, and if I had gotten that. Even two months ago, I would have looked at that and gone, oh, what a bummer. That sucks. <laughs> I can't, like, what am I going to do with this? But now I'm actually, like, really excited because now I get to, like, fix it. I ordered a speaker off of eBay and I'm going to solder that in. And I don't know. It's just, it's been really nice to, like, both learn something new and feel like an entire thing that you thought was impossible is now possible. 
to the point where I'm like looking at stuff that I would never have dreamt of doing in a million years. Like the there's this uh, wee boy that's been making the rounds. Oh yeah, yep on on YouTube. So it's what okay. is that? Okay, so there's this whole community of uh, portableizers out there that try to take consoles that are not portable, of course, yeah, and sure. make them portable. Uh, to the point, like one guy did. He's like, I want to. Because like one of the pro- like the a big tinker project is can I fit this in an Altoid tin? Can I take yeah, yeah this thing yeah. and fit it inside of an Altoid tin? I and love so, that. And that's, so that's someone made like a really shitty they, like they even said straight up like this sucks like don't actually do this. I just wanted to see if I could. They put a screen and a Wii. They cut down the PCB to the, only the parts that you need for it to work. And fit it in an Altoid tin. The guy's like, this, this, the battery lasts for ten minutes. It gets way too fucking hot. The buttons suck, but it works. Uh, anyway, so the, there's there's been this guy who's been like trying to find a way to get the Wii into a form factor that's like like a Game Boy, like an old DMG style big brick Game Boy. And it turns out. That there is actually like the big the the board that's like normally this big the console's like this big. You only mm-hmm. need a part of it about that big, like a couple inches, for it to actually work. So you take a Dremel and you fucking cut the shit out of this motherboard <laughs> and you solder up all the the points to it to this kit that you buy. It's like three hundred fifty dollars, but it's like the screen and um, the buttons you, and you can every- spend three hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> Yeah, and, and plus the cost of a Wii, plus the cost of whatever storage you're using, but you can take this Wii and turn it into a into a Game Boy. And I'm looking at this, going like, I think I could do that. Okay, wait, no, let's go back. Okay, how do you actually play Wii games on your Wii Game Boy? What, what do you, do so you go like the, this? Like no, 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 no. So the the the, the people who made the kit, like it's like a like a huge uh, undertaking in like the modding community. But like people have actually made custom firmware that uses like the homebrew stuff that you can load to a Wii to remap motion controls to analog sticks. What? Yeah, it's fucking wild. Like they they created a whole radial menu system that you can use to access like virtual console games and your emulators and the the GameCube and Wii like. Uh, ISO files that you play on there. Um, absolutely insane, th- what they've done. Um, but yeah, like at, at this point, I'm like, well, how much would it cost to buy a Dremel? Could I... Where would I even use a Dremel? I can find a place to use a Dremel. Um, so this is what I'm doing with my time now. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing that fascinates me about this is that you... You have gone... You followed your your pleasure center to a place where you are experiencing this medium that you love in an entirely different way that is almost divorced from the actual thing that got you into it in the first place. Like I I see, I see a direct link between your Game Boy tinkering journey and Susan, your link between the discovery and love of survival and crafting games to building Legos. Like, Hmm. there's this, this, uh, you know, I, like, if I was going to sit there from it outside 
and be like a detective, I could sit there and be like, here is Susan Arndt's adoration and love of thrillers and horror. That coincides with the rise of crafting and survival games. Mm-hmm. Both of those capture your attention, and then it becomes, I am, I am satisfied by the build process. I have mm. this mission. I can construct this thing. And Dave, your interest and fascination in, in classic games and another era of design that is a little bit more modest than what, you're, you, what, what people tend to get on a you know, major console or PC leads you down this rabbit hole of you want the machines, but then you want the hardware that can emulate those machines. Then you want the CRTs, but it's not enough. It's I. It's not enough. It's not enough. The the real high is in making the goddamn thing for yourself, and it's it's incredible to me that you talk about the pleasure. Is you're gonna buy the new speaker, not oh now I can play this actual Game Boy Color game. Yeah, like I mean I want to play Color. the Game Boy Color game. I do, but it's secondary. But that's it's, yeah, it's, it's totally completely secondary. secondary to the front. Because like I have a million ways that I could play a Game Boy Color game right now. Like I have the you know I could play Game Boy games on the Wii U. I could I have the Mister. I have uh, like I have a 3DS. There's a whole thing you could put Game Boy Color games on it. But that's not what I'm looking for. Right. It's it's the physics and, and like that's kind of how I've always felt about games in a way is that like. The game, the game itself, like the cartridge, the the disc, like that's never really had any special meaning to me. Like mm-hmm. I liked having a copy of Earthbound, but selling it did not hurt me, you know, in in a way that like someone going like, oh, I have to let this go, didn't really bother me that much. But it, to to me, the game, like re-experiencing those games is more about having the original thing mm. that it was on than it is about like having the game because games are just code you can replicate those easily it's it's the, the way the buttons feel the way that the screen looks uh, but then it's also making that your own and mm. that to me is what is has been really fascinating about going down this this rabbit hole and wanting to like Man, I'm I'm really tired of working for the man, you guys. I'm really tired of it, um, and I'm looking for things that I enjoy and ways that I can take those things and turn it into a way that I can, like, if not like support myself financially, make a few bucks on. Mm-hmm. There you go. There and you go. I like dinking with Game Boys. And people like Game Boys, and people want fancy screens on them because the screens on them suck. So, if people want them, I'll be happy to make them and fund making more. You know, uh, so the path to get from here to there, uh, I don't know what that's going to take, but I'm on it. No, I get that, man. I, I really get that because I I am very much at a place where I I've gotten to where my hobbies are self-sustaining uh my obsessive collector impulse has as i've started to age fade i'm not interested and and well yeah and like susan you've often talked about how you had uh a similar arc where Mm. you went from 
this feeling of uh, I need to play every new game, every sure. new thing, uh, and experience it because that is the purest form of experiencing this whole medium. And for me, it was always this, you know, the dream of the perfect bonsai tree. It's, it's the, I need to cultivate my weird little garden of history and make sure that uh, I get all the things that need, that I perceive as being necessary in it, and then uh, move on to some next thing, this endless cycle of consumption. But now it has gotten to a point where I don't want things around me. I don't mm. want things, but I still like to collect and I still like the totemic object. Uh, that's where Dave and I sort of dis like, separate. I, I am more interested almost in the artifact of art than I am the machine that is allowing me to interface with it. Mm -hmm. But all of the years of collecting and pruning has left me with this pool of things that have just increased in value. And so I don't have to worry about like it's it spending real money on collecting stuff. If there's a new game or a new record or whatever, I can just be like, all right, well, what can go? What, right. what here is no longer being enjoyed or what is no longer serving a purpose and it's not like in the purely utilitarian sense of dispassionate like this doesn't have function in my life anymore it's it's more i have enjoyed this there is somebody out there who is going to take more from this yep. get meaning from this than what I get from it at this point. And I would like to see it go out there and we'll, we'll you know, it'll recycle. And so like gaming at this point is just completely self-sustaining. So uh, a friend of mine the other day was like, you obviously signed up for the PlayStation 5 pre-order thing, right? Like uh, Sony's <laughs> no! website. And I was like, fucking no, absolutely not. By the way, I that console is going to cost $600. That console is going yeah. to cost $600, a pint of your blood, the name of your firstborn child. That is, all of this shit is, th there's a good reason that it is September and we don't know what these new machines that are out in less than two months are going to cost. It's because they don't want to talk about that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until they've already got you on the hook. They're, like, yeah. That's what they'll do. They've got all these people like signed up for pre-orders and then they'll get that email saying, hey, you can pre-order now. It's $600. Well, you yeah. don't want to lose your place in line, do you? Like, uh, yeah, I do. I, I really do. <laughs> I want to like eat. That, okay. What what game does it like? What what game can I play day one that I absolutely have to play day one? Destiny Do you have two. An for that you could de Destiny two. The answer is Destiny oh, two. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, no. So, okay, bug snacks. Compelling argument. <laughs> but that's c coming out on PS4 but, as well. Yeah, you. All, we all have a machine that plays bugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. My my response was here. Here is what would convince me to buy a PlayStation 5. Does it play all of the things that I have from Plas PlayStation? Does it do, yep. does it give me the Ken Kutaragi dream? Ken yep. Kutaragi came out 
in the year 2000, the sparkly year 2000, and he said, I promise that every PlayStation will be backwards compatible at a hardware level. And I fucking took you at your word, Kenny. I believed you. I bought your UMDs, dog. And now your successors are built on a throne of lies. Mark Cerny has lied. <laughs> but, okay... So with PlayStation 5, can I play 3D dot game heroes folklore and lair discs yeah. in my PlayStation yeah. 5? Does it do that? I'm in. I'm in. Day one, kids. Uh, but it's probably not going to do that. Or no. is it? Is it like $400? <laughs> if it was $400, they would have told us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's. I mean, if, if it came out and it... I. I won't even ask for PS3 because I know that's that's a tough one because PS3s couldn't even play PS3 games. <laughs> they really just couldn't. give me, just give me the PS4 stuff. Sure. And I'm and I'm there. It 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 won't. I lo- I love I love that they're like the top games for PlayStation 4 will be uh-huh, compatible. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean, guys? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think. I think you're. Yeah. I think you're. You weird. guys like Fortnite, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Like, also, why? Who told Sony to just design the Orville as a? Uh, I like. Shut up! I like the design. I'm sick of stupid shiny black boxes. No, I. Uh, I, 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 like I like it. the design too. Uh, you I like. Don't, the- you don't want the 2001: A Space Odyssey monolith sitting next to your television. It's, no, it's it's the it's the it's, two, it just makes that like noise every yeah. time you turn it off. <laughs> oh, this is I don't know about this, you guys. <laughs> the marketing director from Apple product uh, from Apple Inc. Uh, from 1999 was brought in to redesign the monolith and that's the PlayStation 5. I Neville actually... Page no, Neville Page who uh, designed the aesthetics for uh, Oblivion, the movie Oblivion, modern Star Trek, and Prometheus. He's the guy who made all the, the aesthetic look of all of those films. He designed this motherfucker. Did Go he really? look at those movies. No, I'm oh, making I was a gonna, joke. I was gonna say, yeah. I wouldn't. I but like I believed you. I like. I was <laughs> like I totally that's what I'm saying. It looks it. exactly like something he designed. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, that's I'm on. sorry. I sh- I should have couched this in some obscure fucking Japanese designer who made one game in 1994. I should have said it was that guy. Dave, I think we've been called out. I think you've been called out. Oh, <laughs> don't you throw me under the bus? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I I. I feel like now I wasn't intending us to drift into the the new console conversation. Um, every anyone listening right now who is not a backer of this show, fast forward uh, to when you do become a backer of this show on Patreon.com/slash/ContinuePodcast uh, because in the backer section we're going to continue sort of talking about this console stuff. But I, I don't know, Dave. I like I do think that there is something that is so pleasurable about the mystery of a console yeah that you know the the idea that it is you know susan to your point i want my console to look alien i don't want a sleek black box like i can't imagine something being more boring the only like sleek black console that i've ever thought looked amazing is the ps2 slim 
and like but that thing also looks like a weird ufo like it's it's not the uh, you know people who are like i want it to just be like something that fits in my entertainment center fuck that it should be alien it should feel like a portal to someplace else uh it shouldn't look like other things in your house it should which is look why like the gamecube is house. still aesthetically the best console ever made it's magical it had a handle it has a handle <laughs> that, and the, the handle and i have i have the the black gamecube it's still my my uh november 2001 launch gamecube nice and even the that looks awesome it doesn't mm-hmm. look normal looks alien looks weird uh I don't know how these new consoles become the artifacts that you're engaging with, Dave. I don't know how and they become... And I don't become... think they are. I don't think they will be. Because no, I think, can't. like, the consoles have moved past that. Uh, just, like, even just when they were talking with the PlayStation 4, the shift to moving to, like, x86 mm-hmm. architecture brings it far more in line with PCs, and once you're in line with PCs, then you are doing the, uh, we can upgrade these things every couple of years, like the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X, and then the next one's kind of a nice bump up, and, like, at least, like, PlayStation's trying to do something a little interesting with the hard drive, on like, whether or not that, that actually works out, who's to say, but it's at least, like, oh, that's something that you can't get on a mm. PC right now. Uh, but I think that's like that's what draws me to these old consoles is because they are very bespoke, especially like like these Game Boys, which are both very utilitarian because that's that was like Gumpei Yokoi's whole philosophy was like how can we take this outdated cheap tech and repurpose it for something that we can mass produce and get out there and and but is also like high quality that provides an experience that people will will enjoy for years to come and like you just like opening these things up and looking at them they're like far more simple than any you know iphone now oh yeah oh sure yeah but but they're still like just like marvels of technology like I'm, i'm still amazed that like you look at like when you look at the sp like from the inside all of the guts are just here it's just this flat little board and you can play whatever Game Boy games you want on it like that to me is just getting to look at that and mess with it and figure out like to demystify the whole process is I think one of the coolest parts for me I don't know like we'll see how far this rabbit hole goes I've been looking at mods that people have made people have taken like what they do is they they cut out little bits on the back of the like underneath the d-pad they use like transparent d-pads and buttons and they put leds in there that are wired to parts on the board that take power from the batteries to light up the the buttons on this thing uh i don't know if i'm gonna get that fancy with it but i want to learn and i want to i want to make stuff and i want to share that with other people i think like that to me is the part that draws me to it and like what i want to say if if you want to get into this uh, listeners at home it's not as an, any if I can solder any anyone can solder. It's it, it, the hardest part is just getting over that thing in your head that says it's really hard because it's not. Just watch mm. watch a video. What do what I did and watch a video ten times so you know exactly what you need to do and then do it. I think it is so immensely cool that mm. you are doing this and that you're you're taking this 
thing that generally speaking you you interact with every day which is a video game console and you are taking the step to understand it on its level like on that fundamental mechanical level i think that's so so cool because it's something most people just don't and and we're not supposed to we're supposed to take the thing use the thing and and that's it so taking the extra step to understand the thing i think is is awesome yeah not not just understand the thing because once you understand the thing then you can look at the thing and go like well this is broken i but i don't need to throw it away the fix is actually far more simple because like i was watching a video um and some guy was like okay well this game cart you put it in the game boy color turn it on doesn't work okay well let's find out why and you like first you traced all the connections and you just use a multimeter and you trace them it's like well the connections look good let's try resoldering the chips so you just basically you put some flux on there flux is like magic for solder it just makes the makes it so much easier it's like a little paste you put on it takes put a little solder on the soldering iron you just whoop whoop and he did that put it in the cart in the in the console and it worked again you just need to reconnect the chips and it worked how many people take these things they think are broken and just toss them? Yeah. Uh, like, I I think it's been a lot of things for me to get into this. It's, it's one, it's not wanting to just, like, move on to the next thing. To be that, and to be part of that endless cycle of consumerism. It's wanting to take things that people are discarding and clean it up and make it better. Again. Because there's still value. There's still value in these devices. It's just a matter of maintaining them this is also gonna sound like super pretentious but i I guess i would be disappointing you both if it wasn't (laughs) super pretentious but like it's alchemy like you're not just doing engineering you're taking something and transforming it into something new you're transforming it into a new experience you're transforming it into new uh, insight and you're transforming it into something that you can ultimately share with your your son and your daughter and anyone who you end up helping make these things. Uh, that's always something that I find fascinating about when you follow this engineering instinct, Dave, is that your first impulse is to share it. You know, you don't want to just do this thing and be like, oh, it's for my own pleasure. You, you know, uh, when you built a mystery. Okay, well, he wants to share it for money. Well, he wants to share it for money, but like, you know, when you went down the mister hole, Dave texted me immediately. He was like, do you want me to make you one? Like, let, let me let me make you one. And I was like, I'm good. I have like 8 billion <laughs> games that I still need to get through. Uh, I need more games. But yeah, man, I, it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I, I also, I, I think it's so interesting to think about the fact that we're that game consoles and classic video games, we're entering this phase that's almost like, are are you guys familiar with how cars exist in Cuba? You know, Cuba... Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cuba was unable to continue importing cars for 50 fucking years. Hooray, sanctions. (laughs) Time time stopped. Yeah, it just stopped. Time stopped on Cuba. So every car in Cuba is this amazing custom gas guzzler from the 1950s. Uh, A a huge preponderance of American cars that have been 
modded to the point of being unrecognizable. But to your point, Dave, about these Game Boys, like there is still function there. Like they're like, why would I get rid of this? I could just keep fixing it and it will continue to serve its purpose. And, you know, we're fast approaching this point where, you know, the, the value of classic games and classic game consoles isn't increasing just because of interest and the fact that the audience for these things has aged to a point where they have, like, expendable money. It's a dwindling resource. That shit is not yeah. there. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a dwindling resource. Uh, there's nostalgia in people getting older. But then there's also, like, someone brought, a, uh, brought up a point in a video I was watching that, like, kids are getting introduced to old games because of stuff like Minecraft. They look yeah. at Minecraft and go like, the old games that daddy likes looks like this. I want to yep. check that out. So yep. they are getting exposed in this whole other way. And there's a whole cottage industry of like people making things to try to take advantage of that. Uh, yeah. Both like from mods and as well as the consumer products. Like, the Polymega, if that ever comes out. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the fictional... The $500... The, the $500 fictional console. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not be surprised if at some point in the next two years, uh, depending on how things go, obviously, that we see somebody make the jump from these mini consoles to making actual new versions of consoles. Uh, I mean, like, like you know, analog's not, already not, kind of doing it. I mean, like it, Nintendo or Sega actually doing a new run themselves. Yeah, of of saying, I can see like, that. Here's, well, because the, the, the thing is, it's like, well, Nintendo already has the data, but there, there's an interview with uh, uh, one of the. He's not like involved in like making the Mister Project, but he's like kind of a. He's like the hype man for it. He goes by Smoke Monster, and there's an interview on Retronauts where they were he. Uh, Jeremy Parrish was talking to him about it and he's like yeah like they have the Super Nintendo it's all broken down in hardware language code so the core that's on the mister if you wanted you could send that to a fab and they could turn that code into a chip and you could just make Super Nintendos with it if you wanted like Nintendo could do it too mm -hmm. it's just at, at what point do they go this is worth it for us yeah mm. I and who, who knows? I, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, like, at, at the end of the day, I, I have, over the last two years, really changed my thinking about the whole, like, everything should be available digitally. Everything, like, the whole idea of, like, oh, virtual console, all of this stuff should be available digitally. Be like, servers cost fucking money, man. Uh, servers cost money. Servers money. have environmental Energy. impact. Energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not... Every the, uh, the 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 stupid child that I was even just two years ago being like, "What is Square? Sell me this obscure Final Fantasy bullshit!" Because it fucking costs money. It it's not magic. It doesn't come from nowhere. I feel like I said that to you two years ago. No, that's not that can't be right. <laughs> no, I'm pretty pretty sure. No way. I said that exact thing. You, you know what? I don't think that there has ever been a time at any point in the last 10 years, Susan, where I said something profoundly stupid and you said something really sensible in response to that, and then I said you were wrong. That never mm. happened. It's it's not happening right now. It's okay. <laughs> just, I was just checking. That was my recollection of events. Bill, Bill I, can you okay. please put the Dixie Chick song Gaslighter right here? In <laughs> 
<laughs> Damn it! I'm a fraud. Uh, <laughs> first step is admitting it. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, the first step is admitting you listeners have a problem uh, because you caused this show to happen. <laughs> and uh, it's your Dave, fault. <laughs> who, who made the choice to do this? Our Patreon and, backers. And life, at- life is choices. And this was one of yours. <laughs> you made this choice. Uh, Patreon.com slash continue podcast. Uh, if you can back us there, uh, we greatly appreciate it. It helps keep the show running. And uh, at the $10 level and above, you get a shout out on the show, which I'm doing right now. Shout outs to Adam Condra, Adam Gauntlet, Kaylin Houston, Chris Cook, Daniel Squire, Denton Brock, Double Taco, Elio Dare, Eric Van Quill, Frank Sands, Gluttony One of Seven, Jacob Christos, Jesse, Fancy Manatee, Matthew Peters, Michael Coffey, Nick Rugen, Ryan Brady, Ryan Mance, Shane Nilsson, Skip Dippity, Stormshot, Thierry Belair, Tim Chesson, Tom Coveney, Tyler Nilsson, Olmec, and Yaddle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. You guys uh, honestly do uh, make an enormous difference in our lives. Uh, if you are able to back our show, just put a buck in. That guarantees that we can actually purchase new games <laughs> that aren't uh, ancient to talk about on this program. It actually costs more to play ancient games. We just talked about that. Uh, but yes, the, the movies, the television shows, the video games, all of the things that we engage with to talk about on this program uh we bring them into our lives because of the people that back this show if you are not able to back this show we freaking get it guys uh it's shit's hard out there uh just please share the show with anyone you know uh i know there are a lot of people out there these days who are hungry for distraction and if we can distract you even a little with our nonsense uh it would mean a lot for uh, mean a lot to us if you engaged. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, it's twitter.com/continuepod. You can go to twitch.tv/continuepodcast and follow uh, all of the things that Dave is doing uh, when he builds these things or plays some weird old games. You can follow me at a John Agnello on Twitter, where I rant about nonsense and listen to my other show called Video Game Grooves, which is about video game music on vinyl. You can go to Ship to Shore, a uh, vinyl company. There are many records that have uh, liner notes that I wrote for them out at the moment, including uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja for Super Nintendo. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. I wrote, I wrote some liner notes for that uh, action. That's a funny game. I like those old Goemon games. Susan, where can the people find you around the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Susan Arndt. You can find me on my other podcast, which is about horror movies. It's called Long-Legged Beasties. You can look it up on patreon.com slash long-legged beasties. Or you can go over to gamerant.com where I run the movies and TV section. Woo! Uh, Dave Roberts, where do the people find you? On Twitter. <laughs> I'm always there. At David Robots. <laughs> On Twitter. Yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> the, the bird website. Where can you find Dave Roberts? America. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll see you yeah, in two you, weeks. You won't find nope. me, I'll find you. You'll find... Oh, my God. It's getting creepier as we go. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.